0: just before you start listening to this podcast a reminder that we have a special subscription offer you can get 12 issues of the spectator for 12 pounds as well as a 20 pound amazon voucher go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher if you'd like to get this offer Hello and welcome to the Americano Podcast. I'm Dominic Green, Life and Arts Editor of Spectator USA, filling in for Freddie Gray. And our guest today is Rob Crilly. He's the White House Correspondent of the Washington Examiner. I always think White House Correspondent means he would turn up in a white suit uh, with a notebook, but he has a notebook with him. But no- I'm sorry to disappoint you, yeah, I have my notebook, but no, no, no
1: white suit, rather boring blue suit, I'm afraid.
0: It's a suit for radio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now will you join us at a time of extraordinary political ferment. On both sides of the Atlantic, you've been uh, covering the British elections, which uh, the polls will be opening tomorrow, and I was quite sure which way they're going.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been, and it's been an extraordinary week in the US, and here I am, yeah, covering the British election for an American audience, and people, you know, for the past year actually in the US, people have been asking me, what's going on with Brexit, why isn't it getting done, and I've spent the past week here, and I still haven't got the faintest idea. So. And, and you're
0: through the looking glass, so instead they're asking you, what is going on, what is a visa warrant? who is Robert Mueller, why is impeachment, and and how does it happen? Yeah, we, we seem, on both sides of the
1: Atlantic, we seem to be bogged down in the small print. You know, it's very complicated, inside-baseball sorts of questions. And, you know, often as a, as a correspondent, your job is to deal in the bigger pictures. But suddenly here we are, whether it's, you know, details of Brussels fishing regulations or... FISA warrants in the US, you've got to be into the nitty gritty to understand what's going on. And it's enough to give you a headache, isn't it? Really? It is.
0: And as with the inside baseball thing, you get to make up your own statistics. We were just now watching Michael Horowitz at bat, delivering the Department of Justice's Inspector General report into Mueller, the Russian collusion, the FBI's handling of the visa warrants and so on. This is enormously detailed stuff. And If you could stay awake as he delivered the report, there seemed to be two versions of the facts that you could pick. There was the one which said nothing went wrong, but it wasn't handled very well, and there's the one which said this was an abuse of power or incompetence verging on abuse. The key phrase that that we just heard was there was no evidence of intentional misconduct. Well, this is where we are, and
1: I'm not even going to pick you up on your cricket metaphor for America and my (laughs) baseball (laughs) metaphor for Britain. We'll go straight past that. But look, that seems to be where we are. And this is my stock response now to almost everything that happens. It's, well, it proves me right. This is what I've been saying all along. And you can use that they, they, they for anything. Yes. Right? So if, if you believe that the investigation into Donald Trump and his presidential campaign in 2016 was politically motivated by some sort of deep state that didn't want him to win the election and wanted him to be booted out at the first opportunity, you know what, there's enough evidence in this report for you to say you have indicated. If, on the other hand, your argument is, well, no, we have checks and balances and we're meant to monitor what different campaigns are doing and who's influencing whom and where the money comes from and who people are talking to... Well, at the same time, there's exactly uh, the same amount of stuff in this report for you to say, well, I was right all along, and, and you know what? It was right and proper. The, the 2016 campaign
0: and, and investigation. Yeah, and I think if you could read the minds of a third of a billion Americans, they would probably agree there should be checks and balances, and, that, mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. what things like the FBI in part exist for. And, and it's quite damning, therefore, to hear Michael Horowitz saying that, uh, quote, senior officials showed a lack of understanding and awareness of their own procedures. In other words, they didn't know how to operate the checks. They, he's saying they had lost their balances. Well, I, I, I hate to
1: break this to you, it's not think, for the first time. I, this think, has I think the further you
0: delve into any sort of federal
1: activity in the U.S., the less competence you find. I've found that, uh, yes. right? <laughs> I mean, that, anyone, yes. anyone who's filed their tax returns, uh, you know, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And and that and that's the thing. I, I think, and this is always. The most difficult bit, whether you're talking about Donald Trump and the investigation into what exactly he was saying to the president of Ukraine, or if you're looking at what those FBI investigators were doing or the reasons they were able to obtain a, a warrant, it's motive, isn't it? And, and it? and it's impossible to know what was going on in some in someone's mind. All you can do is deal with the circumstantial evidence and, and, and try and pick apart the pieces. and. You know, in all my reporting in 20 years, all, all around the world, whether I've been, you know, dealing with security forces in, in Pakistan or warlords in Afghanistan.
0: Which is probably ideal training well, for being know, in the White you know, House. Know, so, so, yes. Quite friendly.
1: But I'm a, I'm a great believer in cock up rather than conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I tend to go towards the line that, yeah, this probably wasn't deliberate they probably didn't dot the i's and cross cross the t's now when it comes to something like this and when you're using essentially spy warrants to investigate your own citizens i think you do have to follow the exact letter of the law and of course you know no one no one's saying this is acceptable but i think when you're looking at the The motive here, and whether you're building a you know, if you're trying to build a big conspiracy that people were intent on bringing Donald Trump down from the outset, Mm. I don't quite see enough there to go with that.
0: Now, of course, turning to using your close friends to spy on your own citizens, we turn to impeachment. Uh, Trump has been charged with two things one of which is exploiting his position and asking for information about uh, Hunter Biden's activities in Ukraine. I suspect that's going to be hard to prove in that he he likes to talk in the vaguest of terms. Yeah, Uh, the other thing does turn on this, this. second charge is this question of intent, mm-hmm. effectively trying to interfere with the investigation. How much weight do you think is going to be given to each of those charges? Well, I mean, I <laughs> I, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying, bringing up the
1: question of proof, because sometimes I think we're... We like so, a little proof now and so then. ...way past yeah. that, that stage. So, I, I, you know, I think the Democrats have... They 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 put off impeachment for as long as they could. Nancy Pelosi obviously played this as 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 carefully as she could, and they believe that this this issue with Ukraine is rather clearer to understand than what we went through with the Mueller investigation, where it all got incredibly complicated, incredibly fast. So the allegations are, are pretty clear that he 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 abused his his position, and then further went on to try and obstruct Congress by by by, by not offering up essentially his employees to answer questions. This is a political process, and it just feels like. The verdict is already in. I mean, the Republicans have got the numbers in the Senate so they can avoid removing him. The Democrats have got the numbers in, in the House so we know they're going to pass the Articles of Impeachment. We, we know how this plays out. And the question is, I think, what impact it has on the 2020 election. We're starting to see some of the, the numbers now and in some of the, the key battleground
0: states. Well, I think you've got the numbers, haven't you? Yeah, we were just looking at a poll earlier this week. Opposition to Trump being impeached in Michigan. In Pennsylvania, 52.2%. And in Wisconsin, 57.8%. I mean,
1: uh, you know, those are really interesting numbers and those are three... States that that Trump needs to win if he's going to hold on to power. They were blue um, wall states
0: which crumbled.
1: Right. Yeah. These, these were the the blue collar voters who ditched the Democrats, and Trump needs to hold on to them. Now, I, I I saw some focus group discussions a couple of weeks ago by one of the big Trump packs who went out to some of the battleground areas and and asked voters. These were these were undecided voters essentially asking them what they thought of impeachment and. I think the key message that was coming through them and I might explain these numbers is the concern that Democrats were spending all their time in Congress doing impeachment and not getting on with all the other business you know remember trump was was elected to get on with his job and he's he 's done pretty well on on hammering the message that he 's made good on his promises, and I think there 's a lot of anger that he, he's, he's unable to get on with the rest of the job while the Democrats are essentially blocking him. I think that's one of the real...
0: So concerns. you see those numbers, a clear majority of people in those ex-Blue Wall states opposing impeachment, they reflect more a dislike of, of the exploitation of the system for partisan ends rather than a rallying behind Trump as an individual or as or as a judgment on his uh, policies?
1: Well, I think with all these things, I think you can probably break down those numbers and what do you got, 52, 50.8, 57? I think probably in there you've got the base, let's say 40%. And then the rest of it is probably made up of people who like the state of the economy, like what Trump has done with tax cuts, probably not so keen on his verbal abuse of opponents and his noisy Twitter feed and all that kind of thing. And so when push comes to shove, and they're looking at this highly partisan situation they'd rather their politicians get on with the job they're elected to do
0: now i mean before you you spent the last few days doing the relatively peaceful matter of the british election um (laughs) you're in and out the white house all the time what is is the mood what is the feel of it there
1: i i think they've made a calculation that overall this is good for them i mean this is all about 2020 now and Trump's campaign have made clear they're not interested in winning over wavering voters. I mean, dinosaurs like us, we you know, tend to think that elections are won from the centre ground. And I think that, you know, since 2016, that's rather been shown to be that's not how it's done at the moment. So Trump, I think, is, is, is going after his base. And he thinks that his superior data analytics over the Democrats mean he can actually find a whole bunch of Trump supporters down the back of the sofa that were missed out on last time. So I think the same thing goes with impeachment. If they can just... If, if the Republicans on the committee can just throw enough mud, bring up enough conspiracy theories, talk about the Ukraine, bring up things like the crowd Strike server... And please don't ask me to explain that because I get... completely yeah. out. If they can just obfuscate, then as long as things don't move, then Trump stays in power because the Democrats don't have the vote in the Senate. And he's got a whole bunch of campaign slogans that can allow him to run even as the most powerful man in the world, even as US commander in chief, he can portray himself as the victim. He's being blocked by the deep state, the establishment, whatever you want to call it. And he's got a very powerful message for those people.
0: So I mean, in the last 24 hours, we've had the move towards impeachment articles, we've had the release of the Inspector General's DOJ report. Does this reflect the breaking down of the system in the way that it's being worked for partisan ends, that whoever can get their hands on one of the levers is cranking it as hard as they can for their team, or does it actually reflect a way that actually there's some flexibility in the system and that it's absorbing the shocks of of Donald Trump and this is is how it's meant to work? Well, you know what? I mean... Ask me tomorrow
1: and I'll give you a different answer because I can't go through. We may do that. Uh,
0: (laughs) Please don't. We're not going to let you go.
1: I go go through bouts of optimism and pessimism about the way the American system works. And you've caught me at a time. I mean, uh, buried in all of this, I, I don't know if you noticed, but yesterday it looked like Republicans and Democrats in the House finally agreed a compromise over the USMCA. You remember this is the trade deal to replace NAFTA and Democrats were blocking it because there weren't enough labor and environmental protections. Well, actually a deal has been done in the meantime. So you got not only with the articles of impeachment published yesterday, which suggests everything has come to a massive deadlock, but you actually had some progress on something that's beneficial for American workers. So I think there's an argument that that I would make today that I might not make tomorrow, is that the Justice Committee and the Intelligence Committee have got on with their business got the stuff done and actually some other stuff has been happening now I suspect that the Democrats have done this deliberately so they can say yeah we're not blocking everything hey look the business is going on so ask me tomorrow and I'll probably give you a different answer but like everything in America as soon as you get into these investigations it just feels never-ending and when you set up a, a constitution like the US with a with a bill of rights and this imp- implicit tension between the three branches which you know in some in some ways is never resolved until it's tested in court you know this is only ever good for the lawyers and what i haven't done enough of because partly because i've been in the uk following the general election is is getting out to pennsylvania the trump voters i know there or ohio or wisconsin saying hey you watching every twist and turn of this? Because I have a funny feeling
0: they ain't. And they might not be surprised to know that the US is, is the government by the lawyers, of the lawyers, for the lawyers. So exactly. That view of Washington is, is well established.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know, what's happened in the last 48 hours rather bears that out. I mean, you know, I think at times in, in Britain when we think about how this whole Brexit mess, you could argue, has come about because we don't have... A clear understanding, a, a codified constitution in the very clear way that the U.S. has is tempting to think. Oh, if only we could write down on paper exactly how our constitution works, we could avoid the mess of understanding how the referendum relates to the business of government. Actually, you know what? You can write it down, and still, you know, still we go yeah. around in circles. And, and a circles. similar
0: thing so, is at work. Not just in the US, not just in Britain. In, in many liberal democracies, they're showing simultaneous signs of, of logjam or being unable to function and also also being quite dynamic in a way. And, and uh, whether by coming up with new procedures, as, as the parliament had to do here, yeah. or by... Government by committee and investigation and judiciary, or by simply having another election, uh, which, which they'll be doing in Israel, and sort of record-breaking. Record don't
1: right? say that the day before a British election, <laughs> because well, I don't think possible. anyone could possibly I, tolerate... I can uh, see it
0: happening. But, um, or, or even the Belgian method, which is, I think, close to what the United States have, if you have a White House that's not yet been fully staffed. It's almost like that period in which Belgium did not have a functioning government government, and and, and did well enough without it. And I get the impression the majority of Americans would be quite happy with that situation. It it is a society that functions despite the government as much as because of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I realise I'm in danger of being the kind of Brit who turns up in America and is suddenly enamoured of the way they do everything. But I guess it's that sort of pioneer spirit. You go out and you stand on your own two feet and that... Does seem to be sort of imbued through. I mean, that's one of the great contradictions. I mean, in many ways, America is one of the most bureaucratic places I've ever lived in. When I lived in New York, I remember the barman telling me he had to pay $200 a year to have candles in his bar, and I went directly to the fire brigade. You know, so, you know, on the one hand, there's that, but then there is the other sort of the spirit of the Western pioneers, which is all about standing on their own two feet. And that seems to be the tension in America that perhaps causes so many of these problems.
0: It is. And I I should recommend to anyone listening to this, if you are considering standing on your own two feet in America, you should have a lawyer with you at all times. (laughs) At all times. I'm Dominic Green. You've been listening to me, filling in for Freddie Gray on the Americano podcast. My guest this afternoon was Rob Crilly, White House correspondent of the Washington Examiner.